Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hey everyone, that was a sneak peek of my guest. I pressed the wrong button, but I'm in a good mood because the Canucks have taken all six points on their three-game road trip. My name is Canuck Clay. I am Clay Emo, and thank you for joining me for Game Over Vancouver. Yes, the Canucks indeed go 3-0, beating Colorado, Vegas, and San Jose on this quick three-game trip. Don't look now. They are one game under 500. They are one point out of a playoff spot after taking five out of their last six games. And imagine if they held on to beat Vegas last Monday night. They'd actually be a game over 500. Did I do that math right? Yeah, they'd be a game over 500 and they'd be in a playoff race. But let's not get too greedy tonight. Let's talk about this win. I'm so excited for the guests that I have with me. But before we do that, right away, right away, make sure that you're subscribed to the SDPN YouTube channel that you're watching now, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Make sure you like the video. It helps us out in all those algorithms and things like that. And you're also welcome to follow me, Knut Clay, both on Twitter and on YouTube. So the Canucks win 4-3, defeating the San Jose Sharks in overtime. I have a wonderful guest that I'm going to bring on in just a second to talk all about it. But first, let's thank our sponsors. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's World Cup, hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Steve Dangle Podcast Network. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Now, I'm thrilled to welcome my guest who knows a lot about the San Jose Sharks. He knows a lot about the Pacific Division. He knows a lot about the NHL. And tonight, he's going to help me break down this game. So please welcome Nick from Twisted Rister Hockey. Welcome, Nick. Thanks, Clay. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. No, I'm thrilled to have you here. And we've collabed in the past, both on my channel and on your channel. So I was, I'm glad we could make this happen. As soon as I knew the Canucks were facing the Sharks and I had the game, you're the first person I reached out to. So before we get into tonight's game, Nick, please tell everyone quickly a little bit about yourself, your fandom, and where they can follow you, both on YouTube and on social. Yeah, so I'm almost a lifelong Sharks fan. They came into the NHL just a couple years after I was born. Uh, but yeah, I originally grew up uh, in the San Jose area, a little bit south of that. And um, yeah, I've been a pretty much a diehard fan, I would say, for the last like 15 or 16 years. Although the last couple seasons have not been easy for us. So to sort of like ameliorate that and actually appreciate the NHL at large, I created a channel called Twisted Wrister Hockey here on YouTube. So I cover the NHL in full. Sometimes I have a Sharks video here and there, but really it's about all 32 teams. So yeah, you can follow my channel there, Twisted Wrister Hockey, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. So a lifelong San Jose fan living in Idaho, you said, right? Northern Idaho? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. And Twisted Rister, not, we actually had you listen at Twisted Sister for a couple seconds, but we fixed it. So thanks to the good people behind the scenes. Although Twisted Sister was a pretty good, not my cup, cup of tea, but it's okay. Okay. So you have your wonderful, yeah, your YouTube channel, which, which I watch all your videos and, and I'm really glad that you can lend your expertise. So overall, and yes, I'm a Canucks fan. You're a Sharks fan. We both know about the Pacific Division. We both love talking hockey. What were your impressions of this game overall, just from a neutral objective standpoint 
Well, I mean, the skill gap between the two teams is very noticeable. Actually, my dog was groaning as I was saying that. She was like, hey, don't bring that up again. But yeah, really, it was, you know, the Sharks were there. It was almost like they were playing field hockey with just just trying to bat the puck away deep into the Canucks zone, whereas the Canucks actually were cycling and holding the zone for most of, of the first two periods. And it was funny um, because despite, the you know, there weren't really many goals. There weren't huge high danger chances so much. And uh, it was funny because Randy Hahn on the Sharks broadcast literally called those first two periods a snooze fest. So uh, that kind of validates our impression of this game. But then, yeah, things picked up in in the third period. We had uh, a lot of shots, especially for the Sharks, uh, goals on both ends. And then ultimately, the more skilled team ended up winning, uh, even though it wasn't necessarily a skill-related play, as good of a heads-up play it was from Miller with uh, kind of a bad change by the Sharks. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the goals in a second, Nick. I, I love what you said there. And we'll take... We'll take everyone behind the curtain. We met during the second intermission for a quick tech test. And thankfully, everything worked out well. But you and I were both joking that uh, we were hoping we'd see some activity in the third because it wasn't the most exciting game. I don't know if that's the way the Sharks play. I know the Canucks played last night, so I, I can't speak for your team. But uh, at least we got our wish of a more entertaining final frame. Fair to say. Most definitely. Yeah, the Sharks have been in some uh, more back and forth kind of track meet games where, of course, they're going to end up losing anyway. But yeah, yeah this one, you, you saw that when the Canucks were cycling, the Sharks were there to b- block a lot of their chances. So that's kind of one reason why, you know, K- uh, Kakanen didn't have to make a ton of saves. And uh, from the Canucks end of things, they were really just the Sharks were just hammering a lot of their shots from the outside and from the point, especially so that, you know, even though Demko got the victory there, he wasn't really in danger until that third period. Right. And that third period, we, I, I'll give the Sharks credit. I'll, I'll give them a lot of credit because my wife Gail and I were screaming at the TV. They dominated the third period. They doubled their shot total. And uh, it was that right after Pedersen scored on that beautiful, that beautiful skill goal to put the Canucks up by one. I believe the Sharks dominated from an icing call for basically two and a half minutes in the Canuck zone, being able to cycle through a couple guys, except for Carlson, who never seems to leave the ice. And um, they yeah. they did have the Canucks hemmed in, and it ended up with a, uh, is it Cunning? Is that how you say it? Cunning's second goal of the night. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting with this game because he scored that goal off of a Burroughs penalty. And Burroughs, of course, had the first goal that stood for quite some time. And Cunning even was in the penalty box at one point as well. Uh, so with Cunning, you know, this guy was brought in from Nashville and he's good for two things, taking penalties and scoring goals. Unfortunately, he did both tonight. <laughs> so generally, the, uh, t- let us know, do the fan base, do they like him? Do they are they kind of polar polarized by him? Like what what is it with the with Cunning? What do the, the Sharks fans like him? I'd say that there's no strong impression. Yeah, really with the Sharks, they ended up picking up uh, there's. Of course, uh, Puck Guy joining us here in the chat um, to, to quote, uh, you know, his friend Ian Reed. They they picked up a lot of guys from the Guy Factory. So we just have a lot of kind of fringe NHL players or bottom sixers who we've had to insert into, you know, as high up in our lineup as the second line. So in other words, we're not really expecting all that much from him. We, we like that he scores some goals. But, you know, when you look at like the, you know, the Jay Fresh card, the uh, underlying analytics, it's not exactly the um, you know best impression. But that being said, you know, we have uh, other we can point our finger uh, elsewhere, um, more so toward, you know, how management and coaching have been over the last several years. Sure. 
Well, yeah, and in the second segment, I would love to I'd love to hear a bit more about the Sharks, their overall outlook as we look at the whole Pacific Division. So this is what I'd like you to do. Everyone that's watching, we have a great crowd assembled. Whether you're a fan of Nick, you're a fan of me, or just kind of checking this out, share this video. If you're watching on YouTube, share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, if you still use that, like old guys like me. If you're on Insta, TikTok, Snapchat, wherever you are, share the fact that we're going to be chatting about this game and the Sharks and the Canucks for the next half an hour. Let people know what we're doing and and that you want them in here so if we can nick let's go through the goals quite you know relatively quickly just if anything stands out the first one kyle burrows uh really nice win by the canucks in the san jose zone miller to horvat horvat with a i well, i always make fun of horvat the fact that he he doesn't really pass that one we've seen his his goal to assist ratio it kind of kind of bears it out but a really nice heads up pass to burrows who one times and i'm not sure if, if you're looking in was screened or he just did not play that well what did you see from your from your vantage point. Yeah, I don't think he played that particularly well. It didn't seem like he was, you know, trying to chat with, I don't know <laughs> if it was Cunning or, or whoever it was, in, kind of in front of him a little bit. I, I didn't think that it was uh, that much of an obstruction of his view, though. Yes, yes. No, that's fair. And then, admittedly, I don't know much about this goalie, right? So I was watching it with, it was my son at the time, and we said, this goalie doesn't look that good, but it was just that for that one shot. And then he certainly settled down and obviously didn't let anything in until until the third period then san jose gets that back a really strange goal where i think benning from the point yeah. shot it it went off of benino and then it went off of cunning's shoulder neck back and then over demko who is sliding um is that how cunning scored no he, he showed his skill later but what'd you think of that one if anything <laughs> i mean i'm just glad that they were getting traffic toward the front of the net so you know when you're not able to generate that many chances early on when you're able to actually hold the zone for more than three seconds, it actually behooves you to, you know, slap one in and, and put some bodies toward the net. So for Demko, of course, yeah, that goal and and the other one that you'll talk about next is, you know, there's no way in hell that anybody, you know, Dominic Hasek put him in that. No one's going to save either of those. And I'll let you, I'll let you introduce the, the next goal, the San Jose goal by Couture. I love for your perspective, but I will say this, there's been a, when the Canucks had their horrible start, Nick, at the start of the season, their power, their penalty kit was so bad. It's still trying to get climb out of the 60s in, in terms of percentage wise. Wow. But not only were they bad just from a structure and coverage and aggressive standpoint, but they were losing faceoffs and boom, boom, shots were going in on the power play 10 seconds into the power play. And we actually saw that tonight again with Couture's goal. So why don't you break it down for us? I mean, I was surprised that the Sharks actually got a shot off that quickly. Um, <laughs> And yeah, it's it's one where, I mean, gee, I, I don't know if your defender's out of position there. It didn't seem like it so much. It's just that, yeah, that's that's going to redirect things quite a, quite a bit there. Yeah. And so Demko, you know, yeah. he's positioned to save. He's positioned one way, but to react to something like that at the speed that the puck is moving. Yes. You know, you, you can't ask yes. for a goaltender to be able to, to make that kind of save. So I don't think that this this was an indictment on the um, Canucks penalty kill from not just this year, but last year as well. But mm -hmm. that's just uh, that was their second bad break in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, the Sharks actually got a power play. I, I'm not, I don't say that the officiating was poor yeah. by any means, but yeah. we have been terrible at drawing penalties. I'd say, I don't know, the last 12 games, more or less. And so for them to actually get a chance... And to pounce on that early by shooting the puck, uh, you do love to see that. No, great point. Yeah, you Sharks only get one power play. The Canucks only get two 
popular opportunities and uh, the Sharks are the one, the team that does capitalize. And yeah, Couture's got such a wicked release. And I think it was a combination of PD diving out. He didn't touch it, but it looks like it went off Ethan Bear's stick actually. And you're right, not giving Demko much of a chance. Then the Canucks go two quick ones. It's first Ilya Mikheyev on a, a great play by Pedersen and Kuzmenko doing some good work behind the Sharks net. And then uh, a Pedersen centering pass actually hits Kuzmenko and then goes right up to Mikheyev, not giving Lekkonen much of a chance. Anything that the Sharks could have done better there, is that, is that just a skill play from some skilled forwards? I, I did see quite a bit of puck watching where you had about four defenders within a stick's reach of <laughs> of the shooter there. So that did jump out at me. Uh, yeah. Mikheyev almost looks like he's been uh, playing with Pedersen for a couple of years. Uh, yes. You know, everyone's talking here, as you can imagine, about the P.D. Kuzmenko combo, Nick. But Mikhail, uh-huh. he had a slow start this season. He missed the first few games because he was injured. And, you know, we signed him with this five-year contract of $5 million. So everyone's kind of hoping that he doesn't turn out to be a bad contract. Yeah, and he's he gets a couple points tonight. He's slowly, yeah, slowly getting better for sure, for sure. Then we get to the, the third goal, the, what we thought was going to be the game winner. It wasn't. But such a skilled, I don't need you to gush on, on PD, but obviously Canucks fans, we are so thrilled with the way he's kind of broken out this season already with more than a point per game. But showing that skill, deflecting that Ekman Larson shot through his own legs past the goaltender. Um, um, maybe there was no fault anyway. It was just a really skilled play by a skilled player. I generally thought so, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it wasn't like some, you know, it wasn't like somebody who sets a screen right in front of the goaltender and tips it in. Like he actually had to be, he was still moving right yeah. toward the goal. And I, I thought that Benning was actually, because I think Benning was defending him. And I think his positioning was good because he wasn't giving Petey the, the inside track at any, by any means. So, Correct. yeah, it was a very skilled play. Yeah. And yeah. then once you set up the game tying goal, we kind of talked about it a little bit, a lot of pressure. But yeah. what did you see there on Conan's second goal of the night? Oh, just, I mean, you, you when you're going to talk about this, it has to be the feed from Carlson. I mean, he was humming and buzzing all that whole period. And and like you were saying, it seems like he didn't leave the ice. So, you know, of course, being able to not only maneuver the puck and, you know, shake a couple defenders to get into the zone uh, multiple times during the course of a game like this, but also being able to, you know, move along the, you know, toward the goal line and just patiently wait for that little gap in the coverage because yeah. he threaded that incredibly well and, you know, Cunning just kind of gets a stick on it. That's all you have to hope for that, yeah. um, you know, you just put it on net there and certainly uh, a great sort of way to kind of uh, give him hopefully some confidence uh, considering we need more, we need more productivity sort of from that kind of third line for San Jose. Sure. And before we get into the, the overtime winner, uh, take a, take a couple of minutes, Nick, I, I want, I want to learn why I'm sure viewers want to know why, why is Eric Carlson, having such a good season this year. As someone who watches all the Sharks games, tell us a bit. We know he's a great skater. We know he's he's good offensively, yeah. but this is a bit of an unexpected resurgence. Tell us why. Yeah, I mean, the goal-scoring touch uh, certainly was uh, shocking, to say the least, through the first 15 or so games. He's really cooled off in that respect. He hasn't been shooting as much recently, mm-hmm. but I think that his skating actually does look better versus previous seasons. It, it does. He has been more explosive frequently. His uh, his maneuvering, his maybe it's his balance or something, but he's able to pull off a lot of maneuvers. You didn't really see through his first few seasons in San Jose, at least from what I've seen. So 
Uh, I think that that kind of does uh, form a foundation for him to be able to make some of the plays that he has made. And yeah, the confidence has uh, been at an all-time high uh, with with him as a shark. So, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out myself, but I mean, it's been an absolute spectacle. Uh, and so when I bought the uh, Sharks reverse retro jersey uh, just about a week ago, I said, you know what? I never thought that I would be wanting to put Carlson on the back of one of my jerseys, but certainly we uh, requested for that to be customized that way. So I'm looking Sweet. forward to it. Uh, what's his contract? I- I'm not making fun. I'm just asking. What's his contract? Well, he's at four more years after this year at eleven and a half million dollars, which, you know, if he's playing like this, you would think, hey, that's not all that bad. But, yeah, of course, you have to consider he's 32 years old already. And number one and number two, he has a full no move clause. Wow. Okay, so four more years, eleven and a half. Uh, Okay, as you can imagine, there's a lot of consternation in Vancouver about Ekman Larson at another four or five years at his seven and a half or two more years of Tyler Myers Mm -hmm. at six. So. Puts it in perspective, I, I would say Carlson's having a much better season than those two guys. But yes, four more years, that is at whatever, 12%, 14% of the cap. It is a big, but I, so I am glad, truly, that he's doing well for the team. Who's his, who's his D partner usually? Uh, he's been playing with Jacob Magna for most of this year. Really? Yeah. Is that guy any good? I just know, we know the Magna name in Vancouver because of Jason Magna, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I wasn't a uh, he didn't really stand out to me last season all that much, or at least not uh, in a way where I thought he was separating himself from the rest of the pack. Because, again, the Sharks just very thin at pretty much every position. But, yeah, Megna's been, I, I think, overall serviceable. He he had a good game tonight and I liked how he got his shots through, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of the the goals that we saw the Sharks concede tonight. It wasn't like I could point the finger at one player in particular for those plays. It was kind of just like, I don't know, not a broken play. It's just like everybody disconnected their controller. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Jacob Megna. I mean, you know, you saw with Brent Burns when he won his uh, Norris trophy, he had, I think he had, was he playing with Dylan at that point? Well, anyway, yeah. the idea there was that Burns would need to, to cycle through various defenders because of how he plays so uniquely in that role. Yeah. Carlson is kind of similar as well, uh, especially when we didn't have a Mark Mathot here in San Jose, particularly. Good. No, that that's a that was good education for us, actually. Thank you. So let's get to this game-winning goal. It's OT. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Nick and I are both going to be at least somewhat happy, both of us on the stream, because our teams each got a point. And then not much happening until the Sharks put in a bit of pressure. But then I believe it was Timo Meyer. Uh, I couldn't figure this out. Maybe you have more insight. He seemed like he just kind of dumped the puck into the Canuck zone and then went for a line change and his bench was right there. So, and then it goes Hughes to Miller, Miller up the middle to Kuzmenko, wicked uh, snapshot past the goaltender and game set match. Uh, did Were you as upset as maybe some other Sharks fans were? Did you, could you tell what he was doing there? Not really, honestly. <laughs> I, I need to go back and rewatch that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, it was, everyone was entirely out of sync as to, who was to stay on the ice and who was to come over. So yeah, it ended up being a horrible uh, line change. And then, then Kuzmenko is just available right at the blue line too. And, and Miller easily puts that on the tape with, you know, nobody's defending the neutral zone. And so there you go. Yeah. And I, and I, as I mentioned that Canucks fans are very happy about PD. They're also very happy about Kuzmenko with his 11th goal of the season. Nick, they don't know if they're going to be able to resign this guy because there's a there's a guy named Bo Horvat you may have heard of who also doesn't have a contract. So a lot, I've used the word consternation a few times in the past few weeks, but there is a lot of that 
in this market. Um, what else uh, stood out to you from the, the game before we move to the second segment? Is there anything else that, that stood out to you, both good or bad, from a San Jose Sharks perspective? Not in particular. Again, I think the defense, even though despite conceding four goals, I actually thought that they played fairly well. Again, they were they were blocking a lot of shots. There were some lapses in the forwards on defense, but I think the blue liners actually did a pretty strong job. Yep, yep. And who's this N. Gregor guy? He had five shots on goal. I'm just looking. Yeah, Noah Gregor was... Noah Gregor was probably one of the most snake bit NHLers last year. It's unfortunate that he hasn't found a groove with uh, David Quinn uh, as the new head coach, because otherwise this guy was uh, he really did generate a ton of chances for the Sharks this uh, this past season and made a lot of plays to set up good transition opportunities and odd man rushes like really uh, it's. He would have scored about 15 or 16 goals on a third line uh, last year, uh, so it's unfortunate that he hasn't quite broken through quite as well as as uh, you know previously. But I mean, when you see him carry the puck out in through the neutral zone with the speed that he has, and you know he is patient too with with the puck. He's not trying to generate a shot when he gets into the zone. He can hang on to it okay. But yeah, I wish that uh, we could see you know the Gregor from last year but actually cashing in on his chances. But yeah, good to see him at least get some shots on goal. Awesome. Yeah, I only ask is not, not only looking at the box score, Nick, but also hearing his name quite a bit during the broadcast. And and that someone just mm-hmm. wrote in the chat, is he, did he play up here in Victoria? Victoria Royals? I don't know if you know much about their, I don't. So, but someone just wrote Victoria Royals Gold. So I wonder if he actually mm-hmm. played in Victoria. I have to look that up. Okay, JGP, I trust you. We'll get back to you. So that, thank you, Nick. Let's wrap up our discussion of the game. So a 4-3 win for Vancouver. They come home ready to face the Washington Capitals on Tuesday night and then the Florida Panthers on Thursday. And last thing I'll say before we move on to the Pacific Division in general, Nick, uh, people are people that follow my streams, they're kind of they're kind of making fun of me. I promise everyone, I know how, how much of a dancer you are, Nick, but uh, I promise everyone if the Canucks won three straight, that I would do the gritty, made famous by a lot of NFL wide receivers when they, when they uh, score touchdowns. So... Not on this one, because I, I can't give it away for free, but uh, tonight on my stream, I'll be dancing, and it's not going to be pretty. I'll just say that. That's going to be very horrible. Oh, I, oh man, I, I would pay big bucks, <laughs> and, I'm, and it's going to be an absolute treat. Be careful what you wish for. All right, let's move to our second segment. And uh, I, Nick and I agreed. I think it would be a really nice chance and opportunity because of Nick's knowledge of, of the Sharks and the Pacific Division overall to talk about how this division has shaped up one month uh, sorry one quarter into the season so um why don't we talk about our two respective teams first and then we'll talk about some other some other teams so i'll go really quickly you guys know that everyone that watches game over vancouver the canucks had a horrible start they lost their first seven then in there and since then seven games that have multi-goal leads not just one goal leads they've blown seven games of multi-goal leads and lost all seven of those imagine you make four of those wins nick that's eight more points now the Canucks are sitting at 29 points and they're in second in the division tied with Seattle, but not, you know, wow. not, not, can't play ifs, bands, ifs and buts and what ifs. The Canucks are sitting where they are right now. And I think for us, the biggest question is, are we the team that lost seven in a row? Or are we the team that's won the last five out of six? And we've beaten some pretty strong teams. So there's at least a bit of optimism. Tell us about your Sharks, Nick. Well, I think in the big picture, everything is pretty much going according to plan. You know, we're going to be in it for a top five draft pick. Yeah. Just plain and simple. I mean, Mike Greer knew that when he took the job 
Um, yeah, they started the season just absolutely putrid. Uh, I, I actually went to their first two games in Prague. Um, and then oh, after wow. that, they went on the road and they actually showed that they can be pretty good away from their building. So one reason why you see the Sharks as one of the worst teams in the NHL is they are an NHL worst two, eight and four at home. They have won two out of 12 games in what used to be one of the most feared uh, buildings for opponents uh. in the NHL, you know, a decade plus ago. It's been awful. Um, anyway. Despite that, they've had some impressive victories on the road. They've beaten the Rangers on the road. They won in regulation against the Stars on the road. And recently, they actually won in Vegas on the road. But now, you know, they've lost five out of six and they've been home for a lot of it. So they're going on the they're going on the road again. And I expect them to put a couple dubs on the board. Yes. And you know what's interesting is we're making it sound like Vancouver is so much better than San Jose. They were actually tied in points coming in tonight's game. I'm sure San Jose played a couple more games, but it doesn't matter. They were tied in points. So if San Jose had, had pulled that game out, we'd be talking about them. Oh, no, actually, sorry. The Canucks were a couple up. I, I did my my poor math. So, yeah, you're right. 7, 13, and 4. So 18 points. They had 17 coming tonight's game. So they're only two behind the Canucks coming in. But, yeah, 2, 8, and 4. And I love that arena. I, I got to go once when I was in the All-Star game in 2019. Really, really nice arena. Um those flickering lights, though, they can they catch you off guard, especially on TV. You're wondering. I thought my TV was broken for the first period. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the one they actually have them in, in the seats now. Yes, yeah, exactly. Hey, tell us a, quickly about your Prague experience. That must have been wonderful. Yeah, I've actually been to Prague before. I've seen some Czech hockey over there. This is many many years ago, but. It was a lot of fun meeting fans from actually all over the world. Uh, there's a Sharks writer, uh, Shang Peng, shout out, uh, San yes. Jose Hockey Now. And he actually organized a meetup. And so I I was fortunately staying really close to where this was. Met a bunch of Sharks fans from the States and a couple who had actually traveled from the UK and also from Finland. So that was pretty fun. And then I um, continued my trip elsewhere. I went to Finland and saw some hockey over there, you know, the top league in, in Helsinki. And then I also went to Iceland for a few days. So, I mean, Prague is a beautiful city and a lot of great hockey fans uh, convened for that game. A lot from Switzerland, too. Um, good arena, O2 arena there. And uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame there is wonderful as well. It's right next to the arena. Very cool. And San Jose took both games for Nashville to start the season, correct? Oh, no, no. They they lost both of them. Uh, so the second game, they played a lot better. I thought they should have won that. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, zero points to show for that. Sorry, sorry. So, I, I you know, the tank. <laughs> I had it backwards. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. The, the, the tank season, the tank season started off very well for us. And, and, and we've got it back on track now. And it's crazy because those games, I think, were almost a full week ahead of the rest of the. So you're 0-2 for basically a whole week before anyone else played, which was. Yeah, a, a start of some sort for sure. Okay, if I say Vegas number one, Seattle number two, LA number three, I think I know what the answer is. What surprises you about those three teams? <laughs> I mean, that looks like my predictions, I would probably say last year more so than this year. Yeah. I thought Seattle was going to be good in their first year and and it was just horrible from the get-go. I mean, it was probably because they had to play the Canucks to start things out. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, and they're not, they are really close to Vegas right now. If you look at uh, points percentage, they are at 690 in Vancouver, or uh, Vegas is at 717. They've been sliding a little bit as of late. Um, So the Kraken, they've got a few attacking lines, maybe not the best top line in the NHL by any means, but you put Matty Beneers out there and and he's going to make things happen. They won again tonight against the Ducks. 
They've had some other impressive victories. They beat Vegas just before that. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting until Calgary figures something out, but it's not good when you see the way that Markstrom uh, has been playing so far this year. And Edmonton almost looking a shell of their former selves without Evander Kane. It shouldn't be quite like that. But of course, with um, Jack Campbell not exactly living up to his contract, that's one reason why they're uh, on the fringe of the playoff picture. That's a great point. So we both agree that Seattle, we are both surprised by how well they're doing. They're they're not just fluking. They're 13-5-3. and three. But yeah, you have Edmonton and Calgary, both uh, Edmonton at 22 points and 21, and Calgary at 21 and 21, and then Vancouver at 21 and 22. So they're all almost all the same. Of those two, two, two teams, Nick, though, I don't know if you had Edmonton or Calgary pegged higher. Which one? They're both disappointing, obviously. Which one to you is even more disappointing or more shocking to you of those two Alberta teams? Oh, great question. I probably would say the Flames. I mean, they in the offseason, I know they lost Kachuk and they lost Goudreau, but they got a top five playmaker in the league in Jonathan Huberdeau. Yeah. And Mackenzie Weger, I, I figured he would add some offense to their blue line. So I am disappointed that the Flames are down at this level right now, even just 20 games through the season. I start. I figured they would have start, started figuring things out. Um, Oilers, on the other hand, you know they have, I think, bigger gaps in their roster, uh, but not by much, even though they beat Calgary in the playoffs. But yeah, when you, when you don't have your goaltending figured out, we already know how that looks for the Oilers, number one. And number two, the guy who... Uh, really set you over the edge uh, last season in Evander Kane. You know, that really does take away from uh, the top line's productivity, unfortunately. So, Nick, I'm going to put you on the spot because I trust you and I know you trust me. If you had to peg the three division, uh, you know, divisional playoff teams at the end of the season, and you can tell me if there's going to be zero, one, or two wildcard teams from the Pacific, if you had to throw it out there right now, what is your prediction now in a one quarter into the season? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked because that is my next video, which might be dropping on my channel as early as tomorrow. Okay, so okay. it's my way too early playoffs predictions. Yeah. Love it. So, I mean, I still I still kept Vegas in first, given that their defenses really showed up early in this season. Yep. I, I kept Seattle in second just because, I mean, look at them. They've only conceded 60 goals in 21 games. That is night and day different from last season. And they're doing this largely with Martin Jones as their goaltender. And I know a thing or two about Martin of Jones. Course. Shout out. We love him. But so I figure in this fairly weaker division that Seattle could actually very well hold on. Now, in that case, I vaulted the Flames because they were my preseason cup champion prediction. I vaulted them to third. I'm not entirely sold on L.A. Yep. Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson are not cutting it all, at all, even though they have, you know, plenty of other talents in terms of putting the puck in the net. The defense is holding up okay, but mm-hmm. I think that Calgary can still steal that third spot. Wild card wise, I I kept the Kings in fourth. Uh, I guess they can make it. I I want to say that they're going to still be five teams from the Central, but yeah. I, at at this point, I've said that the Kings will hold will hold. Uh, a playoff position down and that would leave out Edmonton unless somehow Kane's able to get back sooner and Campbell turns things around. Right. And then I presume you got Vancouver, San Jose, LA as your bottom, sorry, Anaheim as your bottom three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's say, let's say San Jose stays at the very bottom so that that way they can get a better draft pick. Anaheim, you know what you might, my, my, this is a quick rant. 
But honestly, I think the NHL should have a policy that if you've had a top five pick for three or five, three, four or five consecutive years, let's say four consecutive years, if you've been in the top five in the NHL draft, uh, not as the result of a trade, you should have you should have to you know fall back a few spots in the next year. This is ridiculous for Anaheim. They're basically becoming the Edmonton Oilers of the 2020s. Yeah, so exactly. You as a Sharks fan, me as a Canucks fan, why is it always the Pacific Division teams that that do this? Thank you. Yes. Thank okay. you. Yes. Have you guys? Well, you've had you've had a number one draft pick before, right? Nope. The highest we had was two and three when we took Daniel and Henrik 20 years ago, 23 years ago. Um, of recent memory, PD went at uh, five. Yolevi went at five. Vertanen went at six. Hughes went at seven. Pudkles went at ten. So those are our most recent picks. But we haven't even picked in the top four. Yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah. So that's had- that's why when the Canucks started so poorly, and I can't say the T word, as you know, but uh, I get that that's an option for this year. Um, that's why they're saying because of, you know, obviously Bedard, Fantilli, all these guys that, that this is the year to do it. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll be chatting a few more times throughout the season. Nick, before we go, can I, can we, let's pop in the chat section. So if you have a question for Nick specifically about his sharks, about what he noticed tonight, um, I'll start pulling a couple questions from the chat right now. And it sounds like, yeah, that, uh, that guy asked you about did play in Victoria for a year, which is pretty cool, which is pretty cool. What was his name again? Noah, his name. Yeah. No, Noah yeah. Gregor. Okay, I'm gonna look him up. I'm gonna look him up for sure. Uh, oh, I, I guess I'll say one thing, and uh, I don't know what your impressions are of Demko. There's been a lot of um, worry about Demko's game, given that Martin is seems to be Spencer Martin is backup, who's only making 800 grand. He's piling up all the wins. This was only Demko's only third win of the season, and he look he did look sharp tonight. Uh, would love your thoughts just on a you know uh, observer from another team what you saw in Demko tonight. Yeah, I think that he was strong. I don't think you can fault him for any of those goals, especially the first two. And the third one was the result of an amazing seam pass there. So maybe just tying up the uh, forwards a little bit better. But, you know, the goaltender doesn't do that. Um, (laughs) But that being said, I don't think until the the third period that the Sharks were really threatening uh, with high danger opportunities. A lot of those came from the point. Yep. And so Demko didn't have to work quite as hard as he normally would uh, saving 35 pucks uh, versus other teams. But that being said, I mean, that's a good building block to getting back on track. So I think he played a good game. Yep. Great question from Charms, who's a regular on my streams, but he, he wants to know, how is William Eklund developing? Uh, you know, I don't follow the Barracuda all that closely, but honestly, I have not heard William Eklund's name all that much. The hmm. Barracuda... They, they're just not a great team in the first place in terms of like veteran talent on that team. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to hear more about him and uh, Bortolo. Bortolo, I think, is doing a little bit better. But uh, yeah, those guys are coming along maybe a little bit more slowly than than I would hope for. But that being said, I, I don't think that you should all of a sudden just rush them up to the NHL um, for any reason, unless like you're completely decimated by injuries. So yeah, yeah not all that much to, to share about William Eklund at this moment. No, that that's fair. That's fair. And uh, I'm combining a couple of questions. They may have missed the first part. So uh, how long have you been in, in Idaho? And then how often do you get back to San Jose to watch Sharks games? I, I, obviously, you went to, to Prague yeah. already. But yes, th- those two questions. Yeah, so I, I moved here just over two years ago. And so my, my options for hockey are the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, they're about 45 minutes away. Uh, that's where... 
you know, like Tyler Johnson and Derek Ryan and Kyler Yamamoto. That's where they're all from. And that's the team that they played for. Uh, so it's a little hockey hotbed. Um, but other than that, I have to probably drive to Seattle to, to go to a game. I did that last year. Um, but yeah, I haven't been to a Sharks game since uh, just before COVID hit. So um, I I might be going to one at the end of the month, uh, December 29th. Oh, nice. uh, so hopefully I, I get a chance to make it and then go to the Barracuda game the next day. That'd be, that'd be fantastic because they have a new a smaller arena. And so I think that would be a better uh, environment for an AHL game like that. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, the question, a nice one from Fangirl. Um, she says, who is your favorite current Sharks player? And then I'm also going to throw in, and who's one player that uh, you wouldn't be upset if they moved on from? So give me two. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay. Favorite player. I, I haven't been as much of a fan of his game in recent times, but uh, Mario Ferraro, I really do uh, like the heart that this guy plays with the fact that he'll play above his weight. He's only, I think like five eleven and, you know, 180 pounds and he'll, he'll hit somebody 40 pounds heavier than him and the shots that he blocks and the teeth that are missing as a result of that. And just his, his demeanor. I really do think that uh, that catches on with teammates. So I got a lot of love for him. A player that we could move on from, probably Kevin LeBanc. I, you know, LeBanc's been okay since moving back into the top line. I'm glad that they did that. Yeah. But in terms of like consistency and being able to generate chances on a nightly basis, I just have not seen that from him. And his contract was really the result of one good season that he ha- he and had. The, right. And so exactly, yeah. Yeah, and especially that. Yeah, especially in Game Seven against Vegas. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, by the way, um, where's Ferraro tonight? Is he hurt right now? He is. Yeah. He's on injury reserve. I think this was only his first full game that he's missed. Gotcha. Gotcha. And let's end with this one. Um, Sharm says, do you see any guy on the Sharks that could be moved at the deadline or anyone you'd want to see traded aside from LeBanc yeah. that the Sharks could maximize on the assets they get in return? Boy, I wish it was last year where we could have traded Hurdle and and also um, James Reimer. James right. Reimer had a terrific year for us last year. Really, he did. Um, he hasn't been quite as good this year, but if he can kind of find his groove, hopefully not be played into the ground to where he's getting injured. I mean, I'd be happy to you know see him get a chance to win a Stanley Cup somewhere else. So he's the first one who comes to mind. I don't really think there's another defenseman who could get traded. Um, I mean, redeem Shimmick maybe, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that we're going to get much in return per se. So I would probably say Reimer in, in that respect. Awesome, awesome. I mean, not awesome who gets traded. I mean, thank you for the good answer. Nick, I see my Zoom Counting down to the last 35 seconds. We timed this perfectly. 40 minutes goes by so quickly. So I'll let you go. Then I'll wrap up the show. But we're, thank you for joining me, first and foremost. And once again, let everyone know where they can find you and your material. Yeah, sure. So for coverage of all 32 NHL teams, head over to my YouTube channel, Twisted Wrister Hockey. And if you don't find me too annoying, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and also on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. Thanks again for everything. And I'll be sure to connect with you another time for one of these uh, sometime throughout the season. It's been great chatting with you, Clay. Thank you so much. All right, Nick. Take care. See you soon. Thanks. Okay, friends, that was Nick of Twisted Rister Hockey. So grateful that he was able to join, join me tonight. And you can tell the guy knows his stuff not just about the Sharks, but about the Pacific Division, about the NHL overall. Check out his channel. He does some really, really cool things. He recently did um, a ranking of all 32 new reverse retro jerseys. Uh, I watched it today. A lot of fun. He had the Canucks ranked pretty high, actually. I won't say how high, 
not number one, but he had them pretty high. So make sure you check out that video and all of Nick's stuff at Twisted Rister Hockey on YouTube. And he's at Nick uh, Pinkerton, Nick underscore Pinkerton here um, on Twitter as well. So Canucks fans, if you want more Canucks chat, I do a, a nightly live stream. And on Sunday nights, I do it a little bit earlier. So it might be hard for those of you in a different time zone, but at 10.30 tonight, uh, in a couple hours, two and a half hours, two hours from now, I'll be doing my own stream. And as I mentioned earlier, I promised that I will do the gritty. It's it's not pretty, I'm telling you right now, but I will do it. I'm a man of my word. And that's because the Canucks have won three straight. So um, just so you know, my record doing Game Over Vancouver now is four and two. Um, I covered losses against the Wild and against the Bruins, but I had tonight. I had last night, obviously. Then I had a win over Seattle and I had a win over someone else earlier in the season. So I am indeed four and two. So maybe I should do more of these. I, I love Kaime, I love Sam, but uh, I definitely have the best winning percentage. I, I think it's just a matter of schedule as opposed to anything else. But as I said, the Canucks with their 4-3 win over the Sharks, one game under 500, one point out of a playoff spot. Now they come home feeling good, and they got Tuesday, the Washington Capitals, Ovechkin and company, and then Thursday, the big Hall of Fame game with Luongo and the Sedins being, being honored either prior or during the game. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm sure they're going to do it well. So thank you everyone for being here tonight. And like I said, you're welcome to join me at 1030 tonight for my own show. If you would be so inclined right here, Canuck Clay on YouTube. So you can follow me there, but more importantly, subscribe to SDPN before you go like this video. And therefore, then you'll be notified of all the shows we cover all seven Canadian markets. And by the way, I forgot to mention this last night, but I'll mention today. We just launched a bunch of new Game Over merchandise. So in the links down below underneath this video, underneath my smiling face, you will see a bunch of links. And one of them is indeed to the SDPN shop. So if you want to check it out there, uh, you can go. I picked up a shirt, a golf shirt and a hoodie that I hopefully will come soon. I can't wait and I'll start wearing them during these streams, even though you can't really see what I'm wearing. Well, just so you know, I am wearing a obviously a Canuck shirt. But yes, make sure you check it out. It's the second, uh, it's the first link actually there that you see, buy some Game Over merchandise and you can support the network there as well. So once again, thanks for being here. I don't have another show until another, I think I'm doing Saturday, December the 3rd when they host, um, whoever they're hosting. Oh, the Coyotes. I think that's my next game. But you're in good hands, obviously with Kaya and with Sam in the two games prior to that. And hopefully I can make it five and two when I'm here next Saturday. So thanks for being here. If you're listening on a podcast platform, make sure you rate and review as well. Friends, enjoy the rest of your night. And I hope you have a really great week. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. I got to tell you, earlier in the day, one of my kids asked me, Dad, can you tell me? Actually, it was one of my boys. It was, it was one of my boys that asked me, Dad, can you tell me what a solar eclipse is? And I said, no, son. Take care and go Canucks go. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.